0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong,
1: spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now turn back with me to to, uh, Psalm 84. I want you to see something here. Notice verse 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. The last part of the verse is what I want you to see. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? Now that sounds good. But what do we understand? What do we know about what the phrase those who walk uprightly means? See, there's an area where the devil will come in and say, well, that's not you. It could be you, but you know you. So what does walk uprightly mean? No good thing will he withhold them that walk uprightly. Jesus has just said in Matthew chapter 6 that we read that all these things, the money you need, the provision you need, the clothes you need, the food you need, the bills paid that you need, and so forth. All these things will be added to you if we get, put things in right perspective. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then God will add all those things to us. Here it says no good thing. Money's a thing. No good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. Now, folks, I would submit to you if if the psalmist is inspired by the Holy Ghost to say words that mean no good thing will he withhold from them that do everything perfect and never miss it, then we've got a lot of other pages to tear out of the Bible and scriptures to do away with. Because there's no place, Old Testament or New Testament, where the Bible tells us that our ability success to avoid any sin in our lives is the way to God. In fact, the Bible tells us over and over again, both Old Testament and New Testament, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham offered enough sacrifices and God counted it to him as righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham resisted enough temptations So that it was counted unto him as righteousness. Now the Bible says there's faith that pleased God. It was faith that caused Abraham to be counted righteous. This was Paul's message. Paul's message was it's not about keeping the law. It's not about what you do. It's not about living right in that context or in that sense. It's about receiving the free gift of righteousness and being made in the image of God, recreated in the image and likeness of God. So walking uprightly then would have to be an act of faith or the result of faith and not good works. No good thing will he, our Heavenly Father, no good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. To walk uprightly is to do what the Bible says we're supposed to do. And it says it again and again and again that the just shall live by faith. The Bible doesn't say the just shall live by good works. The Bible doesn't say the the just or those who have been made righteous will earn a place with God through the things that they do or the things that they don't do. But that they shall live by faith. So walking uprightly would have to be walking by faith. It's the only thing that pleases God. Walking uprightly would have to be walking in the Word. Letting the Word dominate your life. Letting the Word be your guide. Walking uprightly, according to the New Testament commandment, the new commandment of the New Testament, would have to be to walk in love and to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. That's what John said the commandment was. So that has to be what walking uprightly means, doesn't it? No good thing will he withhold to them that it walk uprightly. Now compare that with what we just read over in uh, Matthew chapter 6 about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus is literally telling them, and if he's telling them, he's telling us too. He's literally saying, don't waste your time worrying about how things turn out. Don't waste your time thinking about whether or not you're going to have enough. Don't waste your time thinking about how to pay the bills or the money you need to buy something. Don't waste your time thinking about that, Jesus said. Now, Jesus said that. If it was in one of the letters written to the churches, we might have a chance to blow that off a little bit easier. But Jesus said that. He said, don't waste your time. Take no thought, therefore. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Don't waste your time thinking or worrying about it. And for goodness sakes, don't speak it. Take no thought, saying now, why would that be important? Because faith is of the heart and confession is made with the mouth. So, walking uprightly would have to be to accept the Word of God, whatever the Word of God says concerning us or our situations, believing the Word and acting on it accordingly, believing the Word and confessing it with our mouths. Paul wrote to the Colossians and he prayed for them. A similar prayer, there was a little bit difference in the one that he prayed for the Ephesians and the one that he prayed for Colossians. But part of the Colossian prayer that he prayed, he said, I pray that God would enable you to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. What is walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? When I first saw that phrase 35 years ago, maybe longer, well, yeah, it would be longer. Anyway, when I first saw that phrase, the first thing I thought was, I've got to live right. God wants me to live right. Well, he does, but that's not what he's talking about. A better way to approach this would be to say, God wants me to live by faith. God wants me to live by the word. Because that's what walking uprightly has to be. It can't be behavior. So what I'm saying is this, folks. Living right, which the church majors on in so many areas. Living right is living by faith. Living right is living by the word. Applying the rightness that Jesus restored and reconciled us unto God to have is to live by faith and to walk in the word. That would have to mean then walking, by, walking in the Spirit would have to be walking by faith. Where Paul wrote to the Galatians, Walk in the Spirit, therefore, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's telling us that the key to walking in the Spirit, walking pleasing to God, is to walk by faith, which means you have to be walking according to the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So if you're walking by faith, you have to be walking according to the Word, by the definition of the words themselves. What does that mean? Well, that means if we apply it in another area in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, where it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has to be righteousness. Has to be. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you'll confess Jesus as your Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Well, that confirms what the Old Testament tells us about righteousness being the foundation of our relationship with God. Now, I didn't know that's what I was believing for when I got saved. Did you? I didn't know that I was believing under righteousness. Righteousness was not an issue for me when I was saved as a young boy. I just had heard that Jesus would come and live in your heart. So I said, okay. Now, here 55 years later, in some respects, I'm just finding out what that really meant. I'm just finding out the righteousness that we've been made unto or gaining a deeper understanding of it at least. But I had it all the time. I was made right with God just like you were when you asked Jesus into your heart. And you've been right with God ever since. Now, that should be good news for us because I'm sure you, like me, haven't felt like we were right with God ever since, but we were. Living right is living by faith. Living right before God is living by the Word. See, folks, our relationship with God as children of His is not a thousand different things. It's one thing that shows up in a thousand different ways. It's one thing, righteousness, that upholds us. It's one thing, righteousness, that leads us into victory. It's one thing, righteousness, that causes us to reign on the earth so that the will of God can be performed in our lives. Here, now, just like it is in heaven. It's one thing.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the Phi Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Turn with me over to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, Um, let's start in verse 11. It says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Now, whenever God says, as as I live, he's talking about the the certainty of his existence, he's talking about the certainty of his life, he's talking about an eternal purpose and a never changing situation, as long as I live saith the Lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God now verses like that scare some people because they know they haven't lived right according to their own understanding or according to church teaching but Paul goes on to say let us not therefore judge one another anymore but judge by this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Paul begins to, to explain to the Romans that he understands now what he didn't used to understand and what he didn't used to know. He understands that there is nothing that God created that can be unclean. So there's nothing that he can partake of or experience here on the life, in, uh, in his life on the earth that can be displeasing to God. But not everybody agrees with that. Not everybody has the same knowledge. Not everybody is as strong in the Lord as Paul is. So Paul's whole purpose in talking about these things is, I don't want to just live what's lawful to me because everything's lawful to me. I've got right standing with God no matter what. I've got right standing with God whether I do something that somebody else doesn't understand or whether I don't. But if I'm going to walk in love according to the righteousness that I've been made by the sacrifice of Jesus, the rightness of performing the will of God in my life here on the earth just like it is in heaven, if I'm going to live up to that, then I'm going to have to live in such a way that I don't do anything that causes somebody else to stumble. See, folks, that's why the the, the argument, the debate about should we drink or can we drink alcohol, that's why it's foolish. Can we drink alcohol and be okay with God? Sure. Should we? I don't know. That's a different area, different question, different issue. I shouldn't because some people would be offended if they found out that I did. Should you? You're, You're the only one that can answer that. You know, folks, I'm a Yankees fan. I like the New York Yankees. When I was eight years old, I think I was in third grade, I had to do a book report, and I got this little paperback book about the New York Yankees. And it talked about guys in their past and talked about how many championships they had and all this other kind of stuff. And so since I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, and the closest baseball team to us was the Atlanta Braves, and they stunk, (laughs) I became a Yankees fan. Now, I've been a Yankees fan all my life. I know there are a lot more... Well, let me say this. I'm not a rabid Yankees fan. I've met some people that everything is Yankees, but I just like the Yankees. They're just my team. I made them my team. I chose them to be my team. They're my team. Well, growing up, my kids knew that I was a Yankees fan. I didn't have to try to make them Yankees fans. Now, to a degree, to a measure... My kids are Yankees fans too and they don't know anything about the Yankees (laughs) they're a Yankees fan because I'm a Yankees fan so folks in one respect I've evangelized my kids to the New York Yankees (laughs) and I want you to think about what those words mean they became what I was not because I was trying to make them the same thing but because that's who I was Your kids will become who you are, not who you preach to them about being. Now, if that's not a sobering thought for all of us, I don't know what is. See, with that in mind, there are things that I could do that I won't do because I don't want my kids to see it. Very seldom do people enter into these conversations about, is it lawful to do this or is it okay with God if I do that or things to that respect? Very seldom are those questions or conversations about what's better for somebody else. But in my experience, they've always been about, what do I want to do? Are you out there? So what is living right? Paul says living right is not just doing what's lawful to do. Living right is living by the word, living by the law of love that takes the other person into consideration. So rather than looking at things what, uh, in the, the, with the question of what do I want to do, what's okay with God if I do? Paul's saying look at it from a standpoint of how will this affect other people. That's walking in love. That's walking in the spirit. That's walking uprightly. It's walking by faith. In that context, he goes on. Verse 15, he said, but if your brother is grieved with your meat, eating meat offered to idols was a big deal back then. Now walkest thou not charitably. It's not walking in love to do something that's going to cause a problem for somebody else who's not as strong spiritually as you. That's what he's saying. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died, Let not then your good be evil spoken. For the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God. The place where God rules and reigns. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not rules about what you should do. It's not about whether or not you keep certain ritual functions. Concerning them, it's not about keeping the law of Moses. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. Well, if the kingdom of God is not about keeping rules and living right, as so much of the church world thinks, what is it about? But the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable of Uh, is accepted unto God and approved of men. What's living right? Walking by faith. Walking in love. Walking according to the word. That's what living right is. And folks, when we live right, walk by faith, seeking God's kingdom first, seeking after righteousness, right standing with God, seeking after peace, and seeking after joy in the Holy Ghost, when we put those things first, Jesus said all the other material things will be added to us. When we live according to the word, when we walk by faith, it makes things right. It restores us. Back to what we lost in Adam's sin. It makes things right. And the right condition is the original condition. It's abundance. It's peace. It's prosperity. It's authority. It's freedom. All these things because we've been made right before God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been made that way. And God gave us a whole book of promises, but more than promises, He gave us a whole book, many letters, to tell us what Jesus accomplished for us so that we could take hold of it, so that we could reign in life through righteousness, through the understanding. Of who we've been recreated to be. Of the fact that we've been recreated. Spiritually. In the image and likeness of God. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is the knowledge. That I've been made right before him. The knowledge that I never. Paul speaking about these things says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain grace and find mercy to help in time of need. It's because we've been made righteous. That we can always come before the throne of God. That we can always partake of and take hold of. The power of God. The goodness of God. The faithfulness of God. The blessings of God. Because we've been made right. Folks, it's that rightness, that righteousness, that enables us to stand before the devil in the middle of his attacks and accusations and resist him. I resist you, Satan, because I've been made righteous. And here's what the word says He can't withstand that. He can't stand against it. He has to go. Oh, he'll put up a show. He'll try to make you think that that won't work. Even if it works for other people, it won't work for you because of how you've done, what you've been, where you've been, and so forth. But he knows, hoping that you don't know, that if you hold your ground, he has to leave. Think about the times that the Bible says, don't be afraid because I've got you. Think about the verses we read where it says, "Don't be afraid, because I'll uphold you. I'll hold you up with the right hand of my righteousness." Well, being upheld means we won't go under, doesn't it? We won't sink. Being upheld means we'll be victorious. Being upheld means we'll conquer whatever it is the devil's bringing against us. And that's the good news of Jesus: you always win when you understand and accept and walk in who you are and walk according to the word as if the promises of God are true which thank God they are you win every time you may not win instantly it may take a while but you win every time and that's why Jesus died that's why he left us here on the earth after we get born again To exercise his authority, his victory. By the shedding of his blood and the offering of his body. So that we manifest to the world. The fact that Satan is defeated. Bible says if Satan had known what Jesus was going to do at the resurrection. He never would have offered him up to be killed. Can you imagine on the resurrection morning when Jesus shows up and then breathes on his disciples and says receive the Holy Ghost and now they become righteous in the sight of God just like Jesus was when he was here on the earth can you imagine the anguish on the part of the devil I think too often we give the devil credit for things that he just doesn't have and isn't Have you ever noticed when Jesus appeared before somebody that was demon-possessed and that evil spirit spoke, it was always something in line with, have you come to torment us before the time? Think about what that means, folks. That means the devil and his crowd, the evil spirits that are in operation against us in the world, that means the number one thing on their mind and what they are most convinced of and know for a surety that their time is coming to be tormented for all of eternity. You think you've got problems. Have you come to torment us before the time? They know their time's coming. So rather than be bothered by and worried about how we're going to make it through, I think it would do us good to stand in the face of the enemy every now and then and say to him, do you remember what's coming for you? <laughs> it puts things in right perspective because we are the victors. We are more than conquerors. No matter what we may be going through. No matter the the difficulty of the hard place that we may be in. We're more than conquerors. We've already been made victorious. We've already been given authority. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing. Shall by any means hurt us. That's what Jesus died for. If the church would ever get a hold of that, if we would get a hold of that, if we would get a hold of that picture of ourselves and our connection with God, our being in union with God, so that the same power that was in Jesus is now in us, to realize that the same victory that Jesus experienced is in us. Are there many times where the devil is, where where Jesus, is there any time where Jesus is bothered by the devil? Even when the devil shows up, Jesus just answers, well, here's what the word says. Even when Jesus runs into hard places or hard situations, difficulty with the evil spirits that the disciples couldn't cast out. He's not bothered by it. When he cast the evil spirits out of somebody and the devil threw them on the ground and tore them or created a circumstance to where everybody else around thought he was dead. Jesus get bothered by that. No. Because he knew that he had the life and the power of God through righteousness available to him on the earth. And that's what the Bible says you have. The devil is not your problem. He may be stirring up trouble. But he knows that you've got the greater one. James 1.22 tells us to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. It's when we put the Word of God in practice and act on what God said to do, that's when the blessings of God become real in our lives. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: I don't believe there's anything more important for us in these last days than to live what we believe Pray for the moving of the Holy Ghost.
0: Join us Sundays at 9:30 a.m. and 6 p.m., or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.